0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, love. We come out. And safety, I believe from a defensive standpoint, might have been the biggest question mark behind defensive line. They've been very steady in the practices that we've seen. And Chris O'Leary, safety's coach, he met with the media. And how are things in the second year of the defense under Al Golden coach
2: It's been fun, it's been fun because you can kind of take the next step as far as being in the defense for a second year, guys that have been out there in big games, um, you can start coaching on a more detailed level, so that's been enjoyable, and they're really pushing themselves to take that next step, Um, and really for us, this spring's about making plays, and I've seen that in their production, whether it's TFLs, uh, interceptions, PBUs, like that's what we're focused on, and so hopefully that carries over this season.
1: What do you think about that,
3: focus on turnover. Making yeah. plays. Yeah. I think Chris O'Leary really came on the scene being able to have Kyle – he was there with Kyle Hamilton, right? That was his first year, right? Yeah. And 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 having that impact of Kyle Hamilton making plays, it just made the defense a lot better than probably what it was when Kyle was here.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I think Kyle maybe not covered for a lot of things, but shit, those eight games he was in there. Yeah. I thought the defense played at a high level. So, yeah. yeah, did we take a huge drop off when he left? Not, you know, statistically, you know, but you felt that he wasn't there. And I think Chris O'Leary, getting back to making plays, we have playmakers. And none of them are just – I think more – all of our safeties are built more on an athletic base mm-hmm. and being athletically gifted and talented them being, like, a technician that we got from day one that was always a safety. And we got guys that we converted to safety. We got guys that were moving to safety. from You know, so not only are they flipping offense to defense, but we're they're moving from corner to safety. Nickel to safety, you know. So I think it gives us a good collection of athletes that we can – Make plays with, I don't think he's trying to make any of them the next Ed Reed, but shoot, we can make enough plays as a group flying around using your instincts that were're built for than just being like, I'm gonna teach you how to take the right angle and come down at the right time. It's like it's bigger than that, and I think we're ready to take that next step because the secondary is the most gifted I think unit of
2: the defense right now overall.
1: When you include the cornerbacks, I, yeah. I can see that. Ben
3: Morrison Cam, that. Clarence Lewis, Ryan Barnes can you know do some things in and out. You got uh everybody that came in, coming back, and then Xavier Watts. You know, I think he's gonna make a huge splash, yeah.
1: Because
3: you know why he made a noticeable difference in a game that we actually needed-the SC game. <laughs> if you can. Make plays in a game that is noticeable. Mm-hmm. That means you found your spot. That means you found your spot. Yeah. You're flash like Jalen Sneed flashing in a game. You found your spot. Yeah. And I think you will figure yourself out after that.
1: He also talked about the newcomers, one being Thomas Harper, the transfer, grad transfer from Oklahoma State and someone that we kind of raved about in our practice report a little bit this weekend uh it might be from the state of ohio what's up with these newcomers coach Ben Minich?
2: <laughs> managed to watch both of them as well because ben is um unbelievably intelligent when it comes to football smarts and knowing what to do i mean the stuff that we're doing with the defense right now the fact that he's able to comprehend it execute on the field tells a lot says a lot about him um, and he's he's a really good football player. So I'm excited for his ceiling. Uh, we'll just keep growing him and developing him. And then Harper uh, has played a lot of big time college football. And you can see that he steps out there, he's got uh he's out there at seven on seven today and nothing phases him. You know, he's a competitor and he's been he's been really good for us too.
3: You know what's so crazy? Is that oh. when you when the dynamic of the NFC I mean, I'm sorry, the AFC North with the, the some of the best teams around with the Bengals and the Browns, and then you get Ohio State in the mix, and then you get all the Mac schools. Bro, bro
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you. The Bengals <laughs> and the Browns were trash when you were in high school, dude. Wait a minute. Stop. Stop. Come on, Wait man. Come on. The bulk of your life, both of those teams have been you. mad
3: Listen though, coffee. Oh, when you got so much football culture around you, with the ups and downs, the strifes, the trials, the tribulations, the you action. Said, you, are you claiming the Baltimore Ravens now? Or that's listen, what you doing. A, the AFC North it is what it is. It's not the AFC North is not what it is without Ohio. <laughs> they would have to call it something else. You couldn't even call it the AFC North because Ohio is the North. For the AFC, take out the Bengals and the Browns. What do you have? Nothing. Nothing. You got a team that transferred cities, and then you got Pittsburgh. Well, who goes to Pennsylvania?
1: Well, if you take out the Browns and the Bengals, you pretty much have the other two teams that have actually gone to the Super Bowl and won championships. You got no history. My man, it I thought my fault. I thought we were talking winners. My fault. <laughs> what you, I thought we were talking winners. The,
3: what? The do we have to go over Jimmy Haslam and the Browns organization and the greatness that had came from there? Do you really want to talk about Jimmy Haslam and the <laughs> Browns? Listen, listen. We we you really want to have that discussion right we now. We have to talk about the history though, not just I the was recent. Bro, future. I would stand
1: firm on comparing the Bears to Jimmy Haslam and the Browns. Are what, have the Bears
3: done? what have the Bears done in the last
1: 20 years? They've been to a
3: Super Bowl. How about that? <laughs> How about that? The Bengals been twice. Oh, Bengals been once. And they, they
1: went to the what? You said, they wait a minute. Point. You said the last 20 years. Bengals haven't been to the Super Bowl in the last 20 years.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Then they didn't play the Super Bowl against the, the Rams.
1: Oh, you're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I, on, I apologize on,
3: for that. Without the AFC North and the two I apologize teams in Chicago, for that, there would be no history of football. The AFC North is tough because of the Browns and the Bengals.
1: Now, if it wasn't for Chicago, there would be no NFL. That's the, <laughs> of the First signature on that charter says George Hallett.
3: But it, okay, okay. But in truth, Max, you said the- you're talking history you talking first,
1: history, right? That's
3: true. Okay, we could, you could get that. Okay. For the NFL. Now go
1: ahead on your little, you know, go ahead on your little dialogue about true, Ohio. Go true ahead. history, though. Uh-huh.
3: The first professional football team was called the Dayton Triangles.
1: So, what they didn't have enough money to make it official, <laughs> that <would> <laughs> wait, wait. they struck, they struggled financially, they couldn't do what Papa Hallis could do. I understand, wait. I understand, I, I understand. I <laughs> The don't pressure, him the him. pressure got to them. I understand. Dayton made football professional. Okay, they were professional without a league, huh? What was the league again? It what was, it was, the was the league called? The first team. I'm telling you. Oh, they again. were. Oh, they team. were like the Harlem Globetrotters. They were the traveling professional team. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it
3: was. Listen, I, I know people don't like hearing the Dayton triangles. I'm gonna get a jersey. I'm a to rep it on the lucky lefty from true football history. The, and charter, it...
1: franchise, the charter franchise <laughs> of the NFL is the Chicago Bears. I don't, I don't want to hear all that other history. Uh... <laughs> on the paperwork of the biggest corporation in sports, the That's first okay. signature, thank you do not about you. that Dayton and <laughs> football game played professionally in Ohio. Point? I want to hear about all that. Oh, <laughs> so it don't matter
3: when oh, we real history, you know? Wait, wait,
1: wait a minute, hold on. That's
3: real. What history. matters?
1: What matters? Your stories or the paperwork?
3: The history. What the hold up?
1: No, 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 no. We took this to court. What will hold up? Your stories or the paperwork?
3: Man, I couldn't have a story without the history. It's real. Okay. You can keep your stories. We're going to walk in
1: with that paperwork. That's what we're walking in with. That paperwork and that signature. That's what we're walking up with. Well, in terms of being many... Well, go ahead. You were talking about Chris O'Leary's safeties yeah, and all. I don't know how you about to... I don't know what this is going to mean with the safeties. You were going down a rabbit hole, but go right ahead.
3: Marcus Freeman is recruiting Ohio Maybe not for the most gifted athletic, but if you're looking for real football, minute, let me let me show you how desperate
1: it is. The man said the paperwork was signed in Ohio. The charter franchise is the Chicago Bears. I don't care if they signed the paperwork in Honolulu. What are we talking about right now,
3: man? Yeah, listen, nobody likes giving us credit. I understand,
1: dude. Y'all got the, y'all got the Hall of Fame. Y'all got the NFL Hall of Fame. It's in camp. Why it's would camp. it be in Ohio? Hey, I don't it have a priority in Ohio. All I'm telling you is that paperwork, that paperwork. Now go ahead. Talk about the Notre Dame safeties, man. We have we have dude. I'm not we have to be. Dude, this is what we do every day. We entertain. That's what we do. We make your lunch go by much faster. That's right. <laughs> make your, your homie sandwich go down much easier. <laughs> we make your Coca-Cola taste a little better. That's what we do.
3: That's what we do. That's <laughs> what we do.
1: <laughs> Even when we go on tangents. <laughs> but no ahead. Safety's at Notre Dame. Go ahead, Love.
3: What I love about uh, Marcus Freeman is he's getting a nice variety. You know, he's getting he's getting guys that have range. Right. I think anytime you're recruiting on a national level, you need a range of players. Mm-hmm. You can't just have... Your, your dominant run box safeties, you got to have a, a pass coverage guy in there. got to mm-hmm. have a guy that can be your communicator. And I think Ben Minich has been nominated that so far as a guy that, you know, they they, they gush about how he's just in tune with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you need some players like that. You know, they, and those guys tend to show up in the game where you're like, damn, that's a nice rotational player. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a nice fit for what we're trying to do, maybe not on another team. You know, maybe Ben Minich wouldn't be the Alabama starting safety. You know, but for us and what we're doing, he can have some impact. Crystal Leary identifying it. And the best thing I love about Marcus Freeman and what the coaching staff is able to do is coach to what they have and make the best out of it. So, you know, they wanted Ben Minich mm-hmm. he came, and they're going to develop him like they want, uh, how they see fit. And I think that's a good uh, strategy to go by. Man,
1: DJ Brown has some comments on uh, your boy Ben Minich.
2: Ben's a baller. Um, you know, he's already had three picks so far.
5: You know, during during uh, spring ball, um, he's real fast. He's really
1: smart. Um, I, I really like Ben. I think he's gonna be a good player. Three picks. Fast,
3: smart. I told you. I- I told you I was gonna show love today. But you know, Marcus Freeman knew that before he got there. You know, that's saw recruiting for I would him. hope so. If he gave him my offer. I would hope so. But you know, I was Ben
1: Minich is one of those that sneaks through the cracks. Right. Because of who he played next
3: to. That's also true. He played next to an Ohio State five-star safety. And, you know, <laughs> he's definitely know. one of those guys that was like, man, I was coming to see a guy, but then this other kid was doing good, too. And I didn't mean, he was like a two star, but I think we found something. You know what I mean? One of those guys like a Chris Pink type of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you got the buzz coming from Notre Dame secondary, which I, I told you guys after watching him in practice on Saturday. I'm like, yo. This kid belongs, man. I thought coming in, he would be strictly special teams. And I'm like, man, in a crunch, if he needed to play.
3: Come on, man. You, you, We had Chris Fink. Look, man. <laughs> Ohio produces. We you, can't, see the spot,
1: you see the spot you put me in? Because you know I love Slippery Fox. You know me and Slippery Fox are cool. <laughs>
3: I'm just saying.
1: We, you, you know you, me you, and Slippery Fox are cool.
3: Ohio athletes aren't like Texas athletes where they have a lot of potential and then be regular players. Ohio players that you think might not be something. I'm going to tell
1: Braylon James. I'm going to tell – I'm cutting this up for Braylon James and Jane Greathouse. I'm sending it right to them. What you just said. I'm about to send it to Glenn James, Braylon James' dad. Tell him. Braylon James. James. Okay. I'm, I'm sending it right to them. You know it's true. Oh, it's, go ahead and talk your O H I O stuff. Go okay, ahead, go you know
3: ahead. You know what? Texas players. The problem with Texas players is that all Texas players or most mm-hmm. of them uh-huh. play in a Texas system. Mm. So if you don't go to a Texas school, uh-huh. and you venture outside of a Texas environment, uh-huh. your ceiling becomes a lot let me, lower. That's the let trouble. me
1: record this with my That's phone. Go trouble. ahead. Keep That's talking. Trouble. Keep talking. Go ahead. I'm gonna make sure I text this right too.
3: Only, only few special players that that leave Texas from mm-hmm. Texas, yeah, become superstar players. It's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. You see, Florida's different. Florida can mm-hmm. lead a state and be the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. It's highly unlikely mm-hmm. that a Florida, a Texas player leaving Texas. Mm-hmm becomes the best player on that team outside the school. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. Now Ohio... Hey, you keep us viral. I love it. I tell you, every week, you keep us viral on Ohio State boards, you keep us viral on Michigan boards, and now...
3: I'm just saying.
1: or you're about to be viral in the
3: Notre Dame locker room. For instance, Bryce Petty. Right? Mm -hmm. Great at Baylor in a Texas system. And at Texas, said great. Mm-hmm. Goes to the NFL, you'd be like, how to get drafted? Mm-hmm. But at Texas, all-world. There's all-world players that if you stay in Texas, you're going to be all-world. But the success rate of Texas players being that dude on a team outside of there. Mm-hmm. It, it it can be it can it can go either way, but when you go to Ohio, mm. you know what I'm mm. saying.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And you think, oh, these guys are just regular guys, like. Mm. Just, but then mm. they get on that field and they belong.
2: Mm.
3: You be like, what are they doing in Ohio? That's different. Mm. Is, is the football good? Is the coaching? Is the culture? What 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 is it that's making sure. these players? Great, wasn't it,
1: wasn't it a Georgia kid that made Joe Burrow the Ohio kid lead?
3: We don't play the politics because what did you find out? The cream always rises, did, to the dude. You could have always that. rises to the top. That's all I'm saying.
1: You could have said yes or no, you could have just said yes or no. All I'm lucky, saying lucky podcast, right. man. Oh man, I'll tell you something. Who I got Xavier Watts was asked about, what are his strengths this season? Be tackling, uh, that's what I'm uh being aggressive,
5: that type of aspect of the game, and then obviously, something I need to work on is probably more so coverage, uh, working on main to man skills, and uh, I'd say playmaking as well. I think I left a couple plays out
2: last year, which I can get back.
3: Hey, that's exactly what I expected him to say. Tackling, making that's plays, extreme. tackling. That's his strength. Making plays, and he and he made those plays against SC, and that's how I knew we had something there. You know.
1: No Dame fans I have a question for you, all the way from Vegas, bro.
3: No, no, we we appreciate Texas town. We had Tory Hunter Jr. great player, Cam McDaniel great player, right? But was Cam McDaniel? So what you
1: trying to try? You go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, let me send this to Cam. Go ahead, go ahead.
3: At the go time, we had, okay, but Stefan Tuit was our best player at the time. That's true. He's from Florida. He was That's not true. from Ohio, though. Huh? He was not from Ohio. Wait a minute. We had. Hold on now.
1: Name the last Ohio player that was the best player on Notre Dame. Oh Notre
3: Dame. Uh, uh. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, Deshaun Kaiser. How about that? Uh, Let me go. (laughs) 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 That's true, though. I'm trying to. Unless I gotta think about it, let me think. Let me think. I gotta think about it. Let me think. Was Deshaun was the second rounder? I mean, that's true. He was a second-rounder. I'm trying to think. Ooh. Oh, man. Technically, he's a second-rounder, and that was the highest draft Ooh. of 2016. That's the, the truth. The,
1: the Sean Tyson was never the best player on Notre Dame's team.
3: I'm saying from the from draft standpoint, he was a second-rounder. That was the highest-drafted player of 2016. So in that year, Stop. technically, he was the best player on the team. And Cause he got drafted in second round, which was higher than who got drafted that year. It was just him, I think. No, no, no.
1: Lucky lefty. I don't know what is wrong with my co-host today. I'm just he is, man. He is hell bent on promoting the state of Ohio today. I look, Michael, Cam- Michael Campbell said he just spit his water out laughing. We just My talk bad.
3: analytics. We're just talking
1: analytics. I'm gonna you know? give you. A, I'm, I'm gonna give you one more opportunity, <laughs> But that is not the answer.
3: I'm trying to think. Who do we even have from Ohio on the team? Uh, I can't even think right now. <laughs> We've been so focused on the the trying to get a quarterback. Yo, I don't, where did that Texas hate come from, bro? There's no Texas hate. It's the truth. <laughs> I love Texas. No, Texas always has the the big, strong athletes. Think about it,
1: and dude, okay, because I I thought you were halfway trolling. It wasn't until your face when you just said no, it's no, the no. truth. Like you said that with conviction. You no, really Texas, it is.
3: Texas high school football is one hundred percent worthy of being the top what three high school football states in the country. One hundred percent. Mm-hmm. individually Texas players that are used to playing in the Texas system because look, look at all the Texas systems are the same
4: mm-hmm.
3: run and shoot big 12 football is not great football mm-hmm. and we all know that mm-hmm. we went over who recruits from where the most right yeah. and a lot of these states that have teams that are middle of the road mm-hmm. In their conference, recruit from Texas. And players that leave Texas that go to these schools mm-hmm. aren't giving you what the in state kids from Texas are giving you. Texas in state kids is the reason why Texas is gonna be great this year. Okay. In state. Okay. TCU was great. What? What's the percentage of TCU players this year that was from Texas? It's probably a huge percent. Because it's from Texas. Yes, it's a Texas system. But Max Dugan? In another
2: system?
1: Come on, man. What are we talking about here? What, dude? What are you talking about? Hey, Jack, that's like we saw Jack Cole in another
3: system be successful. Jack of, course, of course systems matter. That's it't doesn't matter what does the system for Max Dugan the Texas style system work for him yes I agree with that but Max Dugan is another system they're not getting to the college football playoffs what bro let about? me so just so you know there is no
1: one near being the best player from the state of Ohio on the 2023 Notre <laughs> Dame football team or well, the way I, I just you're out of your mind you're out of your mind. The best player on Notre Dame's team is from Minnesota, and then the second best player on Notre Dame's team is from Arizona. That's it. Minnesota case closed. Who's Minnesota?
3: Say what? Who's from Minnesota? Yo, all. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can agree with that. Who's the what? What state has the best skill position?
1: right now see now you're trying to switch the goalposts
3: well i mean Joe, oh, you're yeah. the
1: one you're the one to start the argument about the best player on the on the team when they go there that's what you start it's
3: not from texas yes yes yes
1: okay yes. so the best players on those yeah. team yeah. are from fans. are from phoenix and finley minnesota this year this year yes It won't be any, it won't be real. anybody from ohio sorry <laughs> You don't know that. And next year, it'll probably be a kid that's from South Carolina.
3: <laughs> you, boy, I, you. you football is a, Look, football is a religion in Texas. I'm not denying that there's good football in Texas. I'm just saying. Do
1: you want to apologize right now for the Texas talk?
3: I'm not saying nothing wrong about Texas. Texas is a great no, state. That was,
1: that was an extreme hot take, bro. Oh, my goodness. That was an extreme. It was, it was extreme. And I'm your boy. I'm telling you that was extreme.
3: How is that extreme? What was wrong about it? Texas football is great in recruiting every year. Bro. They are. That was an extreme hot take,
1: bro. You basically said Texas football players cannot succeed outside the state of Texas in college football. That's what you said.
3: I think Texas players succeed more in-state.
1: Well, you know, unfortunately... That's not the uh, extent of what you said. You said a little <laughs> bit more.
3: That was what it was relating to, though. They are way more successful in state than out of state.
1: First of all, Texas is not Brian Van Gorda's burner. I don't know if he's trolling. He said Texas is the second best football state, only behind Ohio, of course. We're
3: top five. I wouldn't say we're number one. We're top five. Up, nope, dude. Five. Uh, uh, we're definitely...
1: Georgia is.
3: Georgia's number one for sure. <laughs> Georgia, Florida, I wouldn't even say Cali that much only because Cali is really sucked into like three or four schools that are way better than everybody else. So, I would say we'll rival Cali, but it would go Texas, I mean Georgia, Florida, Texas, um, Alabama, and then us. I think we're top five.
1: Will Fuller, John Massey, thanks for tapping in. This is the, this, on the same team with Deshaun. Yeah, Will Fuller, Jalen Smith, McGlinchy, Ronnie, and Tranquil. You talk about Deshaun Kaiser was the Man, you are I, Wait, I can't. 20, believe. i was saying
3: 2016, Will was gone. Well, it, he, it doesn't matter what year you say. We were saying one year. We would say one year basis okay. because he was drafted the highest that year. Okay. I was
1: always what I said. That. You didn't even think you didn't even think Deshaun was the best quarterback. So I know you're capping right
3: now we're saying from uh, getting drafted what i mean what other what other can we compare on, it to on the thought,
1: 2016 team was Deshaun kaiser the best quarterback on the roster
3: no but
1: okay then that's it case closed there's nothing else to say
3: <laughs> i would never deny a man's accomplishments that's all i'm saying the man got drafted that technically if we the had to, went, the man,
1: went four and eight at Notre Dame as a quarterback, bro. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy! And Mike McGlinchy Mike was on that team, by the way. He went, he went to uh, and Quentin Nelson was on that team, so you're still
3: bugging. Quentin didn't get drafted the same year as Deshaun, Quentin got drafted the year after, but he was on the team. I'm just saying from a year to year basis. Oh man. I'll let
1: I'll let you keep falling off that clip. I keep trying to put my hand out to lift you back up, but you just you don't want any help.
3: No, Q now Q definitely was man. I I already told you the best player I ever played was Jalen Smith. I will always say that that was best player, but Q was definitely the next best player. It would go Jalen, then Q, and then probably Will or something, you know.
1: Hey Ramon Henderson, what's up? What makes you good? What makes you popping this year?
2: Thank Jesus. I feel like beforehand or just last year or the year before that, I thought a lot, which
5: made me slow down a lot of times. Um I say more so now I know what to expect. It's not thinking like a defensive player. It's thinking like QB. So you see like people line up and you just know where the ball is going to. You know where it has to go to or you just like you just see what he's thinking when he's looking at you, if that makes sense. If I'm in the post and he's purely staring at me, like I know I'm in his, I'm in his head as much as he is in mine. So I feel like that helps me. lot. some interesting
1: comments, bro. Pre-snap thinking make something different this
3: year. Yes, it definitely comes with a comfortability of, like you said, when you see something over and over again and you've been watching film and you've taken the reps and you've made the mistakes of previous times, you, you do get a sense of, okay, I know that they can only do this thing out of this formation, this look. Let me be on high alert. Now, they may not. You know, there's always a chance they may not, but you want to be able to stay on that curve of of knowing. And I think any player that gets the the chance and opportunity to get enough reps, you start to get that common cliche of the game is slowing down. And I think that's where the pre-snap and what he means is the game slowing down for him. that when the ball snaps, he's not overwhelmed. And it happens a lot for younger players. Everything that they see in the film room, it's like, okay, I think I get it. But it happens so fast that it becomes overwhelming if you don't have enough reps and experience at it. So for a guy like that to to see the benefit of what is changing for him and having those reps, and it's good to see that he's getting it because some guys have a hard time getting it even with experience. So you can see he's making the right strides and it goes back to great recruiting and getting kids that are teachable. And that's hard these days, getting recruits that are teachable and can develop as well
1: you know uh being in that second year of the all of the defense is a benefit for these guys it seems like there was a lot of opportunity for missed assignments and miscommunication last year being in the first year offense under al golden the guys feel a lot more comfortable from front to back they talk about that and dj brown said it himself he's like man look i've had three defensive coordinators in the last four years as we end this was it a mistake for marcus freeman not to still have his defense being run at notre dame i don't care who the defensive coordinator is
3: Sagan was a mistake at
1: alabama nick saban's defense is being run yeah. at alabama I don't care yeah. who the DC is. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus Freeman gave Al Golden full autonomy to run his defense after Marcus Freeman's defense had been successful at right. Notre Dame. Right. Right. Was that a mistake on Marcus Freeman's part?
3: Man, if you, I think of it as, you know, you're given a Ferrari, but it's in your name, you making the payments every month, but you let somebody else drive it all the time. It just wouldn't make me feel easy. Cause I don't know if you might get a Nick cause it's responsible for me. So if something happens when you doing something, it's going to fall on me. And I think that's the same in this situation. Yeah. He may be a great driver of a Ferrari. He probably got some on his own, but this one's my Ferrari. <laughs> So, if you nick it up, yeah, you're gonna feel bad, but I'm gonna feel worse. So, I think it's a situation of is it a mistake, man, maybe not, if he feels that comfortable, But then again, in the bigger perspective, if something don't go right, you're taking the blame for it, and nobody likes taking the blame when you can't feel like you're controlling the situation either. So, for mental ease, I think Marcus Freeman shouldn't give up his full autonomy at any point. You know what I mean? I think it should be a collaborative effort, especially if he's the football defensive coach. And he has success. And he knows who he has. And he's recruiting guys coming in. So if you're recruiting guys coming in, you know what you got on the team, you were successful with what you ran when you were running it, giving up the whole autonomy of doing it, It may be a good decision in the short term, but not the long term. Because all all because of who's going to take the blame if it don't work out. And I think that that's what you always have to think about in this day and age. Because, you know, college football is on that carousel. You can be there today and be gone tomorrow.
1: See, I just go back to the BS that was created with multiple head coaches certain hirings and things that were taking place there was not a feeling of total autonomy given to a new head coach and that was unfortunate i'm not sure how the entire al golden situation went down but i'm just man you know if i'm the head coach and i'm a defensive guy we're running my defense Uh, that's what it is
3: right I mean, if you're the head coach, come on, man. You're not – come on. You are the head coach. You tell what other people should be doing, you know. And I just think giving up that control just – is no different than having an offensive head coach. Yeah. That's what you did last year. You know what I'm saying? And it didn't go as best as it – it didn't go as best as it could have because you didn't get a chance to have your influence to even, you know, have a chance to make it better. Yeah. So then the next year you talk about what you want from a team philosophy perspective and what you're looking for in the hiring process. And then you come back and say, well, I couldn't get it. Couldn't get what I wanted, but this is going to work for the team. It may not be what I'm trying to run, but it's what we can do. And then defensively you give up the defense too. It's like, dang, you just, (laughs) <laughs> You're giving every sign up. So, I'm sure it'll be frustrating with him eventually. But you know, we got a lot of things that can fill the hole in the meantime in terms of great players and great football. And I
1: think people – look, let me tell you something. Al Golden has no intention of being at Notre Dame for the long term. Oh,
3: he's an NFL coach.
1: So, that means when he leaves this organization and these young men have to once again learn and do defense.
3: All over again.
1: If it had been Marcus Freeman's defense from the jump, we wouldn't have this problem. That's the issue.
3: We're looking like we would look like our offense now. We're we kept the same stuff. We're just absolutely tweaking it here and there. You're tweaking
1: it here and there because it's the Notre Dame offense. It's the same. It. This is the Notre Dame offense. This is how Notre Dame's offense is going to be for the next eight to ten years. As soon as Al Golden gets his opportunity go to the next level, he's gone. And when he leaves, you have to bring in another defensive-minded coach with another philosophy and another defense. The players have been under Al Golden. Now they have to learn a totally different defense.
3: And that's what Brian Kelly never never lost. Hold on. Was Brian, Kevin, Brian Kelly never lost his offense through all those years. No. Through all those years, he kept the same offense. Maybe, you know, Sanford came in. LaFleur came in. Tommy came in. Dembrock was in there. Coach Martin. But he always ran the same Coach Kelly stuff. That's, That's what made it good is. and bad. Because if be yeah. we like, we'll be on a whole variation yeah. after all the years compiled up, and then he'll come in there and be like, let's run it like I did at Grand Valley. Right. <laughs> You're right yeah. like he did at Grand Valley, you know what I mean? So that's what, get, I think that's what kept him around.
1: And like, like Lima Fiesta Bowl. He didn't call the Fiesta Bowl. Mike Elston did.
3: Yeah. even
1: Yeah, remember? We had a problem Mike with that. Elston, total autonomy, that's to call Fiesta been. Bowl, sort of uh, as an interview for the D.C. job, and he failed miserably. So, look, we can stop. What we're not about to do, Cause I can point out games like we can point at that USC game with Al Golden. It's a it's a couple. Of, we can point to that Marshall game. You want me to point out some horrible defensive performances for a defensive coordinator? We can do that for everybody in Notre Dame history.
3: Oh yeah, I mean Elko had a pretty good run. That was except for Elko. Yeah,
1: Elko. We can do that.
3: Had- <laughs> so we're not about to sit up <laughs> here and
1: act like the Notre Dame defense under Marcus Freeman was trash. No, no, so we're gonna no, no. pick out one or two games. Man, with defensive coordinators for sure. You know what he did immediately? He improved the defensive recruiting immediately as a defensive coordinator. What doesn't Al Golden do? Recruit. No. I don't think I don't think you really- would that's in my opinion. Marcus Freeman should have kept his defense. Period. Because it's continuity. That's one you never have to worry about what defense you're playing in Alabama. Ever, it doesn't matter who the coach is,
3: it
1: doesn't matter. You go to Georgia, you don't have to worry about who's, who's running, who's the defensive coordinator. Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart,
3: that's it,
1: Kirby, Kirby. Smart. So, though, there's a reason why they have continuity in defense for close to a decade because it's their head coach's defense, even though they're the head coach.
3: That's like if you have a sleepover and your homeboy. Bring his PlayStation over. Guess what? When the sleepover's over, he going to take his game with
1: him. Wait a minute. First of all, let me stop this. Marcus Freeman, and the presser days before the Fiesta Bowl, said out of his mouth that El- Coach Elston will be calling the plays. Yes. Yes. Stop it, man! I hate when people try to call stuff speculation when it's been spoken out of somebody's mouth. Stop! You don't have to. You don't have to protect Coach Elston. He's a grown man. He yeah, got a dude, job up in Michigan. We He knew failed that. miserably. He failed miserably at the Fiesta Bowl in the second half. And he failed.
3: Heard. Yeah, he
1: failed. It's okay. That's what happens to coordinators. They fail. I can go pick two or three games from every coordinator where they fail on an annual basis. The and point you remains: just, and you any just, head, most head coaches do not allow a defensive coordinator to come in and have total autonomy, especially when you know they don't want to be there for the long term. And now your kids have to learn. DJ Brown just said, I've had three different defensive coordinators in four years, and all the players are saying, We feel better. About our defense this year because it's our second year in the defense
3: doing the same thing.
1: So, when Al Golden leads Notre Dame, which is it's to, an already 11 already 2, already to an 11 and 1, 10 and 2 season, and yeah. he bounces to the NFL, as we know that's what he's going to do. Now, these kids have Drake Bowen, who's a freshman, who's Got coming us. in learning this defense, is now going to have to learn a brand new defense next year. Why? Because it wasn't the conti- continuity of Marcus Freeman's defense. At That's all. it.
3: That's I mean, it. Marcus Freeman's got to find a whole new defensive. That's it. Golden. Like people,
1: are, it seems like people are sensitive. Like I said, Al Golden sucks because Marcus Freeman gave him total autonomy. The question is, was it, it a mistake? Yeah. Was it a mistake to give a coordinator who's here for the short term short total term. autonomy? That's it. That's all. That's it. This was not berating Al Golden as if, oh, he sucks. No. No. We're looking at what other defensive head coaches do. They don't give total autonomy to coordinators. That was all we're saying. That's it. You know, if it was like if he was an offensive coach, I fully understand giving total autonomy to the defensive coordinator. But most most of the time, head coaches that have a defensive background have their system in place and allow the coordinators to coach from within their system. Right. That's all I'm saying. That's why I asked, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. But, yo, for me, because of the young men, and specifically because of what D.J. Brown said, what stood out to me. When he said, I've had three defensive coordinators in the last four years, and I've had to learn a lot, unlearn a lot, and transition. That's – and now, heck, Al Golden, it's no secret that Al Golden wanted to move to the NFL this year.
3: Yeah, it's not – yeah, this is no secret. no secret.
0: I don't know.
1: So if he had done it this year, Notre Dame players would have had to learn a brand new defense with a new coordinator. For me, that's just not fair to the players.
2: That's it.
6: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. Well, yeah,
2: that's, and that's why, you
3: know, you get things like the transfer portal. Because Al Golden can leave at any time. And it's even like you said, he's going to leave regardless. And if we're good, it might speed up the process. <laughs> so, Marcus Freeman is like, I think if it's just hard to be in a position where he's, it feels as though he's trying to appease his staff being a new head coach, trying to make sure everybody's on the same page that sometimes if you're hired to be the dude. You got to go in there and 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 run it like the dude and be like, look, I want it this way. But it's I'm the tra-
1: same offensively, right? Left, if you become or when you become, because I'm sure it's in the near future, when you get your first head coaching job, who's calling plays? Uh,
3: yeah, but it's, it's no question. And I think he's like trying to be to Obama with it. You can't take everybody with you and do everything. And make well, that's everything. apple.
1: You know what? I didn't really make an apples to apples comparison there. I, I apologize for failing. When you get your head coaching job, the offensive coordinator is going to be coaching whose offense?
3: Oh, mine. It's going to be in tandem. There but you go. I just, I would just think that, you know, even with, but it's the same thing with Gerard Parker. When is going to be your offense that you put your stamp on? Because Tommy's stuff isn't going to last forever. But
1: didn't Tyler Buckner tell us yesterday pretty much what the offense is going to be? Like if you uh, really listen to him,
3: yeah, he said. Um,
1: like just listen to him when he talked about how comfortable he was. L- listen to Tyler Buckner for a second.
2: Part of your game, are you most pleased with at this point in the spring?
5: Uh. Probably decision-making, uh, I think I did a pretty easy job of making good decisions, trying to keep the ball out of harm's way, prevent um, turnovers, yeah, I think that's been good so far. And then just the differences in Tommy's offense versus Jerry, it's, I guess obviously it's still similar, but I guess how would you kind of adjust some of the changes in that? Yeah, uh, roots and bolts are still the same, um, formations, motions, so I didn't have to do any real like, you know, quizlets, note cards, study guide, you know, things like that to learn the formation and motions. But uh, they've added some good nuggets, some good new plays, some good concepts, some things like that, that, uh, you know, really help this offense. It's gonna be good plays for us. Um, And also slimmed down some things that, you know, were a little extra weight or things we didn't use all the time. So just keep things uh, linear and, you know, keep it all compact and easy for us to go out there and operate. And then you saw the offensive line grow last year. I guess have they taken this stuff forward this spring so far? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys were here for practice. No, yeah, we hit a big run like first play team. They uh, got counted. Looked awesome. Um, so those guys are work their tails off every single day. Um, they work unbelievably hard, and know, shows on the field.
1: Yo, he said, "Look, I didn't have to write down any notes. It's the same motion formations, right?" We added some nuggets. We did some things that maybe we didn't do a lot of, but everything's linear.
3: Right, because that's that's Tommy is technically Tyler's guy. But Gino Goodoy is like, I'm trying to learn from day one, I'm gonna be here longer. And mm. that's why I think Kenny Minchie is where Gerard Parker needs to be having. What does he want to do to make Kenny succeed off of his skill set? I don't believe Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman's offensive skill set are the same. And so, yeah, Gerard Parker, it works right now because you got guys that you was with from a previous regime. Right. But that previous regime and the, and what was in place is going to fade away because the longer you get away from that, Tyler's not going to be there forever helping guys learn what you were doing before.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so Kenny Pickett is going to get to year two or 3 and He'll be like, okay, what's built for me? I know right. it was Tyler Buckner and Tommy when they were here, but what are you transitioning to address my strengths and weaknesses, which I think he has that are can, are different. You know, I think CJ Carr is different if he continues to stay. I think – if we get Deuce right or Deuce Knight, he's different. Yeah. So yeah. I think Gerard Parker should update the window system. You
1: know. You know, Don't I, I think even offensively, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because Todd Munkin just went to the Ravens, right? Right. He left Georgia, he went to the NFL. Man, that cat Todd Munkin did not want any parts of these new quarterbacks. He didn't yeah. want no parts. He wanted no parts of these new quarterbacks in Georgia. I'm not mad at him. He's looking at it
3: like, man, I'm dealing with
1: who and what and when. He probably thought he was getting Lamar, though. That's probably what he was like. Oh, I'm going to Lamar? Oh, yeah. I'll take that. But, no, even with Kirby and Nick Saban being defensive-minded guys, I would venture to say Lane Kiffin laid the groundwork for all future offensive coordinators at Alabama, because he went from Lane Kiffin yes. to Steve Sarkisian. Yes. Like, yes. if you're going to be an OC at Alabama, you have to fit into what Lane Kiffin laid. Right, Cause Cause that's,
3: just that's tra- transition from yes uh, AJ McCarron to absolutely um, to
1: Tua, and, Tua J- Jalen Hurts, and all the different quarterbacks. Yeah, Bryce Young, absolutely. Like, he transitioned offensively. That was the framework. And you can come in and add little nuggets, but this is the framework of what we want to do offensively. So even offensively, Marcus Freeman can have a say-so on what the framework of the offense is going to be at Notre Dame. Now, you know, you can add motions and all of that stuff and nuggets. That's fine, especially based upon the quarterback. Or the talent of the quarterback but at the end of the day man you're the head coach the continuity for the team is on you that rests upon you right and i i fully believe that great head coaches in college football expect to lose coaches yes they don't coach thinking coaches are going to be around for five years. Nick Saban mm-hmm. expects to lose. Nick Saban expects Tommy Reese to get a head coaching job.
3: Yes, at off, some
1: at some point off of Alabama, or to go to the NFL. He expects that. He doesn't expect Tommy, Tommy
3: to, want to go to the NFL. Absolutely, he doesn't
1: expect Tommy to be there for the next five years.
3: But Saban also rotates his guys too. He ain't just he ain't just Tommy is a new one, right? But usually he's recycling the Bill O'Briens. Lane to come back for a year. It, it, somebody under that coaching tree is going to cycle back. Absolutely. Which is, which is cool because they still using your system.
1: <laughs> because this, this is a system that yeah. he transitioned to. That he's like, okay, yeah, that's what we want to do. Can you work within that framework? Right. You you could call plays. Yeah. I I'm just gonna, need to know.
3: Go down there and run his own stuff at Nick Saban's. No. Oh, no, yeah. man. Nick wasn't even on campus. Tommy had more freedom at Notre Dame and left to go facts. back in another system. Facts. He was the facts. head coach of offense. I've never heard of that. Oh, facts. So Tommy knew what he was getting into. But, but he Tommy to knows
1: this is the fastest path to where he wants to, to go. NFL, offensive, or whatever, you know, whatever. You Absolutely. Know. And that's that's all. That was the purpose of the question Uh, was it a mistake, you know, because it's, it's about continuity, man. Head coaches. CEOs of college programs, no matter what side of the ball they are an expert in, offensively or defensively, the continuity of the program is their responsibility. Flat out, is their responsibility and it's up to them, you know? And I just thought it was weird that a coordinator, I understood why, because I don't think I don't think personally, this is me, I don't think Marcus Freeman was made to feel
3: like he had total autonomy. Oh, yeah, from day one, from day one.
1: So maybe certain decisions that he would have made if he felt that way would have gone differently. But now, here it is, you know. And as he stays, uh, I think he shall get to that point or will get to that point. Well, you'll see him.
3: Who of, of no, no,
1: where well, you'll see him take more account, more responsibility for the continuity on both sides of the ball. I think those days are coming.
3: I mean, if you ain't starting off like that, can you ever? Yeah, but do- you can't keep if you keep if you
1: win, you can't keep asking your kids to learn new playbooks. It's just not fair to the kids every two years. Here's another playbook. It's not fair. Coach Kelly did it defensively. It wasn't fair. I still, and it wasn't fair when he did it. It But at least, wait a minute, at least Brian Kelly was an offensive guy.
3: Yes, yes. Offense stayed the same. Defense changed every year.
1: That's what I'm saying. He was an offensive guy. So he was like, look, man, do your thing. Man, go ahead and do your thing. You're you're a defensive guy, you dude. No, no, no. We've no, had no.
3: great defensive years, also. Though I don't know. It's, it's you, can. you can, had, had, think,
1: you can. But I think wait a minute. You have to understand the transition from Mike Elko to Clark Lee was the same staff.
3: Is it, okay, okay,
1: that's true. He, he said, ran Mike Elko's defense. Yeah, yeah. It just changed a few things. So that was continuity.
3: Yeah, Elko's, yeah, Elko. That's a two-year of good transition, though.
1: We went yeah. from
3: Yako to Van Gorder. Yeah. And then from Van Gorder to Elko. Yeah. And then from Elko to Long. And then from Long to Marcus Freeman. And Marcus absolutely. Freeman. So that's
1: absolutely that's
3: at Notre Dame, you're gonna have three or four coaching changes. It's just what it is, because it's too of it's too much of a honeypot. Right, you a coach at Notre Dame? They're like, "Ooh, y'all win ten games." Ooh, head coach. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 NFL. Where you want to go? Where you want to yeah. go? One year. Yeah. We can't keep a coach. Yeah. So yeah. it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. But ne- if you're the head coach, you never should give up your side of the ball. That's
1: that's all I'm saying,
3: <laughs> man. gave up his, He's like, I give up defense. Y'all can take that. Right. Over Shoot, you running blast.
1: No. No, it didn't matter what why OC Lincoln, came in. You were running Brian Kelly's offense.
3: Why do you think Lincoln Riley can go anywhere and have the same success? That's, that's, think that's,
1: that's all I'm saying. And like I hear what Roger is like, saying, the point is, was Nick Saban transitioned. He decided this dude is going to come in and establish the framework. He knew he knew Lane Kiffin was going to get a job. He didn't expect Lane Kiffin to be there for five years. So it doesn't matter what O.C. comes in. This is the framework. From that framework, which is a passing offense, I bet you there will be no O.C. coming into Alabama going two tight ends 50% like of, 60% Chris. of the time like oh. they used to back in the day. I can guarantee you that. They won't have another Eddie Lacy. No. That. I can guarantee or you that. Harry Henry. So, yeah, the way Bill O'Brien calls plays in comparison to Stark – And Lane Kiffin is different, but the framework of what Nick Saban wants his offense to do, Nick Saban is accountable for that. This is what I want. Do it. Do it it your way, but this is what I want.
3: But that's where it gets tricky because Marcus Freeman told you what he wanted offensively. Two days later, he's like, it's not what I want, but it's going to (laughs) work. So it's like, damn. (laughs) I just hope he don't like golf too fast. You know what I mean? You know, it was just, yo, it was just it's
1: strange <laughs> to me. That's why we wanted to ask today, like, was it a mistake? Only time will tell. Only, All right. Only time will tell. From
3: history, though, if you give up your own side, it's going to be rough for you. Oh,
1: it is.
3: If, if you give up your own side and you already given up the side you don't coach. Yeah. When are you ever going to get control of anything other than personnel decisions, you know, from recruiting and stuff? But And Roger
1: Backman, I totally disagree. Because Nick Saban ran his defense at Michigan State, and he ran his defense at LSU. Right. It has nothing to do with merit. When he became a head coach at Michigan State, it was his defense. That's coaching 101. When Kirby got his job, he ran his defense oh, the man. first year in Georgia. And
3: you it looks
1: just that. like savings because it's savings. Because that. <laughs> that's that's coaching one on one. If it's your side of the ball, you, you are the man. That. That's
3: Nobody. how you got there, right? What you mean? That's how you got there. You mean
1: yeah. somebody in the building has more autonomy autonomy over me and what I do as a coach? No, nah. because look at
3: how frustrated he looked nah. when Tommy did some suspect stuff in the. He'll he'll gun on form. like what are we what are we doing, man? What are we? Run the ball. What? What's all this? And that's a frustrating for a head coach because you got to ask questions. You see, this is and Kirby ran Nick Saban's defense and ran it at it runs it at Georgia.
1: Kirby, Kirby wasn't coaching. Kirby was running Nick Saban's defense and recruiting the way Nick Saban wanted it ran. Just like it. That's why he was Will, Will Muschamp He's... is
3: the defensive coordinator at Georgia, running Kirby Smart's defense. And when Will Muschamp left. Alabama, he took the same defense to Florida and won Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's why all the SCs, that's what a tree is. A coaching tree. That means when you leave the tree, you still doing the same thing. This this
1: is coaching 101. You don't give autonomy to what you're an expert at as a head coach. You just don't. Not as a head coach. No, you don't.
3: Winning coaches don't do that, historically. They just don't. Because I'm sure Dabo got some other offense that he telling them what to do. Jimbo Fisher has been awful. Oh, but they're running his stuff. But
1: they are running his system. Win, lose, or draw. Awful, awful to be in the QB. Whisper. People like, man, the football mm-hmm. has, his system is antiquated and old. Yep. And Jimbo yeah, Fisher's like, still we're up.
3: still running my system. Can you see what happened with Jameis? That's all you got to do. You see what you got to do? That's it. He's like, come on. I had children. It it has nothing to do
1: with winning and coaching the one champ. It is coaching 101. Coaches are not about to give up or give total autonomy to someone when they're the expert on that side of the ball. When that's their expertise. They just don't do it. And it's strange. And I said before that Marcus Freeman probably would not have done it if the culture had been different? Maybe. You keep bringing up the time. It does not matter. Nick Saban did it the first year he became a head coach. Kirby Smart did it the first year he became a head coach. Coaches become head coaches, and they don't give other coaches total autonomy. They don't do that. They just don't. Fine, dude. You think Lincoln Riley is giving somebody to play call and duties? When he took over at Oklahoma, he called the plays, bro. But nobody giving him play call and duties. And had more autonomy over the offense? No. I don't know how, dude. His brothers. Wait a minute. Stoops had his brothers as D.C.'s, along with other people at (laughs) Oklahoma. They ran Stoops' defense for 20 years, and that was his first big job.
3: First one.
1: That was his first big job. They ran his defense for 20 years. Kurt Ferentz, they're running his stuff. It's antiquated. It's old, but Kurt Ferris is not changing at all. You know why? Because head coaches don't just trust their livelihood to the total autonomy of other coaches. You, you just don't do that. It has nothing to do with how long you've been coaching. It doesn't.
3: It's a, it's a fact of life, though. You're it not going to. And then be like, "Hey, my homeboy, you can take care of my wife, and I'ma just chill on the couch,
1: man." Why would bro, you do that, bro? You are an offensive coordinator. Okay. Your head coach, you know.
3: Yeah, he's like, I want to run the ball, I want to do this and that. I Wait gotta figure this out will, how this run the offense with thank those parameters. Like thank, do you you.
1: Do? thank you. Thank you. As head coaching one on one. As head coaching one on one. I'm the head coach.
3: This is what I want to do on offense. This is the framework. Make it happen. Make it happen. The way, the way you make offense happen, just put this as the theme. See <laughs> you know, it, man? should be running that thing. That's it.
1: This has nothing. This is like, dude, at every level of football, this is how it goes. It has nothing to do with tenure, how long you've been coaching. Every coach knows. When I get a head coaching position on any level, it's going to be this offense or this defense is going to be mine. Mine. That's it. Yo, that was a pretty interesting conversation to end the show, bro. Yeah. The chat as always was lit, man. Thank you everybody for your comments, your thoughts. We appreciate you guys so much, man. Oh, you know what time it is. Let's get out of here. Look.
0: Pretty
1: Petty Junction, Petty Story of the Day, brought to you by Nora Whiskey and com. that premium American whiskey dot com. What are you throwing on the Petty Train, love?
3: Man, Petty Train, I feel like it's so many people.
1: I got to throw Cameron and Mace. Dude, that show, it is what it is. It's one of the funniest shows out, bro.
3: Well, he invited uh Shannon on the show. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I did yeah. want to put Shannon on the petty train. He went
1: at, hey, you know, he went at the vice president, I mean, the president's wife pretty hard today, bro.
3: I, I mean, he was, he went, I at, think, he went at Jill Biden pretty hard, bro. He's been, he's been on the petty train recently, too. I mean, not only for that, I think, I mean, he, he has some correct sentiments, though. However, I think he's been on the petty train just. <laughs> Like what he said about paying for his girlfriend's divorce and telling the dude, why you care about this little money, man? (laughs) I think that's just so crazy. Man. Would you pay for your girlfriend's divorce just so she can get through it? I mean, does that, would that make sense? So you could be with her? So you could be with her. Would I
1: pay for my girlfriend's divorce? I think that's petty. Why Why is it? <laughs> How old am I? Because if she's coming out of a situation where she's walking away with nothing from the divorce and she really needs help to like to get a lawyer to help her get out of it, I actually might think about it in that way.
3: Are you just going to leave her hanging? I don't know if that. I just don't. I don't know if that's your place to What's pay it? for your your girlfriend's divorce. No, no, no.
1: I'm not paying for a divorce. I'm paying for her legal fees. Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. that's <laughs> a difference. I'm not paying for her divorce. I'm paying for her legal fees. That's two totally oh. different things.
3: Okay, okay.
1: <laughs> that's why I said it depends. Like I well, said,
3: yeah, that, she, it does matter, that You case. know,
1: if she if she's like, man, I really wanted to get this taken care of. I don't have the money. For the lawyer, can I borrow? It or can you help? Okay, I can see myself helping. I I wouldn't feel like I was helping her get a. Well, I guess indirectly, I guess I would be aiding, assisting, and finishing the divorce. But <laughs> that's kind of. I just that's kind of that's kind of wild. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. <laughs> but that is wild. We're talking about girlfriend and divorce, like Brian Debo Simbo said in the same yeah, sentence. That's that is kind of wild. That's That's wild. Yeah, just let it, some things is best if you let them handle it, you know. Yeah, that's wild. So Jill Biden, you have to go on the petty train. Man, the fact that you even considered it, tweeted it. The fact, let me tell you how low this is. The fact that you would use the situation that happened on Sunday and try to use it politically is sad.
3: Okay, I can agree with you on that. It's
1: absolutely sad, the fact that you would stoop to that degree to make it political, and then to dredge this thing back up and make it a story for your benefit, as if you're bringing people you know, together. together. People together, man. Stop, stop. Like, man, look, LSU. If they do say no to the invite, for real, say I wouldn't go no to know. the invite. Iowa should say no. We ain't win. No, Iowa would go. <laughs> Iowa would go. I guarantee you, oh, Iowa would go. Yeah.
0: Sean. Yeah. Sean.
1: I will be like, oh, we would love to. Yeah, no, they, yeah, would. yeah they would. Man. Yeah, they would.
0: Yeah,
1: Sean, you on the petty train, man. Yeah, only totally on the petty train. I fully believe Lisa Bluter and the Iowa administration would happily accept that invitation, uh, even with they lost, huh? Why would they say no? It's an opportunity it to go to the White House. It's never been ever in history, right? They will be making history as the losers.
3: <laughs> That's my I'll, point. I tell you what, I bet you Kate and Clark wouldn't go. I bet you she wouldn't go. You know what? Knowing <laughs> the competitor that she is, left you
1: might be right. She'd be like, you hey, might be like- right. <laughs> that might that might irritate her. Oh yeah, that might irritate her you're right because i have profound respect for the competitor she is so you might be be like why would i go
3: i you know i don't deserve it you know
1: yeah i'm sorry dr jill biden i apologize dr jill biden who was at the game um yes you know this is not a some little squabble at recess at one of your schools dr jill biden
3: it was just a point made that's all it was a point made it was a point made and people was like you shouldn't have made the point because we like her better that's all that's wow you you, you're 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 uh what they call it a um antagonizing protagonist
1: yeah you know what d-rock iris thank you my brother great point dude unc they got invited to the n-i-t like, he was like, man, we're not going to the NIT. We're We were just in
3: championship. Yeah, we were just in championship.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, come on, man. It really should be. It should be beneath Iowa and Caitlin Clark to even want to be a part of that. You're. I agree with you on that. Left. You know, Caitlin Clark probably would scoff at it, but heck, some seniors they probably be like, man, <laughs> this is not the last time. Man, yeah, yeah, the White House. The white house yeah sonano yeah, he's not coming yeah. back yeah i could see her talking to coach bluter like hey coach this would be a great opportunity
4: yeah
1: uh... man look and the white Sox and michael colpeck you got to go on the pet train fam. you can't be giving <laughs> up five six home runs in the home opener bro like what
3: man <laughs> I told you, we asked. I said, What you think of the home opening?
1: I told you, bro. <laughs> I've never been this down on Chicago sports ever, bro.
3: I'm well, like, the depend- coming up. You know, football, they fixing that thing right up. I'm depending on the Bears at this point. But That's well, you know, the Bulls get any worse. They might get Victor Women by it. Y'all gonna be right back on top.
1: Man, Tim, I don't even know what you're laughing at, bro. We said so much in this show. I have no clue if you live or whether or not you're behind us. <laughs> but this show has been off the rails, dude. We've had a man, it's been a ton of fun. We gave people two hours a day. Yeah, this is two hours done. of pure entertainment in Notre Dame football. This is some good <laughs> stuff today. This is the, I might I might drop this on a Sunday, like as a best of. <laughs> That's right. Got to, because this is in this has been a lot we talked about. <laughs> Brian, I'm sorry, Brian Dimbo. I can't rock with the Cubbies. I, I just can't I hope they do well I yeah. think they're going to win more than I think they were projected to win like 78 and a half or something like that I think they're going to do better than that but I, I can't yeah I can't do the Cubs <laughs> I can't it's not, I, my blood won't let me bro my bloodline my ancestors just won't let me Hey, don't even, don't even address Dude, it just don't no man it. If I go into a Cubs game, the ancestors will pop up on each, both sides of me. Like,
3: you really, you really gonna well, take this ball really, game? Are you, are you really here? <laughs> really, They're not playing against each other.
1: <laughs> hey, great show! We we'll see you guys tomorrow for Hump Day, Lucky Lefty Podcast. Have a great day, But most of all, make sure that you spin it different.